Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Survival on Ice. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. isn't really known for being an invasive or conquest-centric country, but over a hundred years ago, explorer Wilhelmer Stephenson, a Canadian and Viking-obsessed Harvard alum, invaded Siberia with hopes to claim a new Arctic island for an airbase or stronghold, all in the name of Canada. Stephenson was the most famous Canadian explorer of his time, but this story isn't about him or conquest or even the tragedy that would befall his young, idealistic group of explorers. No, This episode is really about the remarkable Inuit woman Ada Blackjack, the sole survivor of the 1921 Wrangell Island Expedition, one of the most ill-fated Arctic expeditions in history. The episode begins with Wilhelmer Stephenson, I hope I'm saying that right, born William Stevenson in Ames, Manitoba. While studying anthropology at Harvard, he changed his name to the vastly harder for me to pronounce, Wilhelmer Stephenson, to, I'm not even joking, give himself more of a tough, explorer, Viking-style vibe. His early expeditions were successful, and from 1906 to 1912, the young Stephenson traveled extensively through the largely uncharted eastern Arctic, adopting and learning the language and customs of the Inuit. In fact, he deeply loved and respected the culture, I mean, as much as a 20-something turn-of-the-century white guy can, and promote the North as, quote, the friendly Arctic, a place he claimed where, quote, a family could live as comfortably as they could in Hawaii. In 1913, Stephenson lost some of that hard-won cred when he purported to have found a new lineage of people in the high Arctic, descendants of the Vikings that he called, quote, blonde Eskimos. Nobody bought it, but even more damaging was the expedition of 1913 to 1916, where Stephenson got a large Canadian endowment for himself to explore the Canadian Arctic. There, he promptly led three large ships straight into an ice floe, and claiming he was going to hunt for food, hopped the ship and didn't return for weeks. Their survivors left the ships, which were rapidly drifting off to sea, and traveled to Wrangell Island, a large uninhabited Russian island 87 miles off the coast of Siberia, where they were eventually, and thankfully, rescued. After that, I have no idea why anyone allowed Stephenson to oversee another expedition, but they did. And Stephenson needed a win after his 1913 disaster, so he, of course, was thrilled. He thought back to Wrangell Island, thinking that it would be a pretty great place for trapping and walrus hunting, 
profitable enough industries and aspired to create a base there to search for an uncharted northern continent that he was sure existed. It does not. But this time, Stephenson decided himself to hang back, instead sending a dream team of young explorers back to Wrangell Island to plant the flag and claim it for Canada, and then the Canadian officials being so impressed that they would buy the land from him at a huge profit, making everyone happy and rich. And by everyone, I mean Stephenson. Bordered by the East Siberian and Chukchi Seas, Wrangell Island is very, very remote. During a brief visit in 1881, naturalist John Muir referred to it as, quote, severely solitary land in the, quote, topmost frost-killed end of creation. Its claim to fame? Around 4,000 years ago, Wrangell Island was one of the last places that woolly mammoth lived. Their isolation there, some believe, ultimately led to their extinction. But what woolly mammoths couldn't handle, young, robust humans could, or might. Stephenson was pretty sure. He picked each person in his Wrangell Island expedition team for their strength, youth, knowledge base, and of course, excitement about going on a very, very dangerous trip. On board were Lorne Knight and Fred Maurer, both 28-year-old Americans and veterans of Wilhelmer Stephenson's previous Arctic voyages. Then there was 19-year-old American Milton Gall. But they needed a bona fide Canadian to lead the expedition if the Canadian government was ever going to give them any money. So Stephenson appointed Alan Crawford, the 20-year-old son of a University of Toronto professor, and he himself a U of T college grad, as the expedition leader. At first, the Canadian government was not into this plan, but Stephenson went ahead anyway, convinced he could eventually get the government on board. If not Canada, well, somebody... Instead of paying the young team, he convinced them to buy stock in the new company he set up for the expedition, which feels like the older equivalent to, like, sweat equity or exposure. That and some private investing money was enough, so he sent the four men 620 miles away to Nome, Alaska, with enough cash to buy food, guns, tents, equipment, and clothing to last them a year in the Arctic. He recommended against taking too much food, convinced they would be able to hunt for everything they needed. He also discouraged the group from buying winter clothing, instead saying they would hire a native person in Nome to go with them, a woman preferably, to sew them winter pants and parkas from the sealskins and bearskins they would absolutely be able to harvest. So when they went to Nome, they put out word for such a person. The Inuits, being very skeptical of this group of white guys and knowing, of course, how horrible the living conditions around Wrangell Island were, were absolutely not interested. That is, all but the reluctant but optimistic 23-year-old named Ada Blackjack. Though she was very young, Ada had already lived a very hard life. Born in 1898, the year of the gold rush in Solomon, Alaska, the region saw a dramatic change with the influx of thousands of white miners. That faded, but in 1918, the Spanish flu pandemic came to town, decimating nearly half of Solomon's 62 residents. When Ada was eight years old, her father ate spoiled meat and died. After this, her mother sent her to a Methodist school run by Christian missionaries in Nome, where she was taught to read and write English, sew, and cook, quote, white folks' food. At 16, Ada married a local dog musher named Jack Blackjack and had three children, with only one surviving infancy, a son named Bennett, who had come down with tuberculosis. Jack beat and starved Ada and eventually left her and their son. It was at that point that she got a divorce, walking 40 miles on foot with her infant son back to her mother's house, and began making money cleaning houses and sewing clothes for miners. Despite her work, she was still unable to afford Bennett's costly tuberculosis treatment, so she put her son in a temporary home called the Jesse Lee Home for Children, so that they could better care for him. 
After that, Ada became committed to making money in order to get her son back and take the best care she could of him. And so, here Ada was, nervous about traveling with these strange men, skeptical of the mission and worried about her own well-being. But, being offered an unheard-of $50 a month salary, more money than she had ever seen in her entire life. But she also told the group that she did not want to be the only Inuit on the voyage, and the team assured her that there would be other Inuit families going as well. When considering the gig, Ada consulted with a local shaman, who told her that death and danger lay ahead, and that she should be watchful of fire and knives. Still, despite the shaman's prophecy, she felt like she had to go. The promise of a better future for her and her son was too seductive a prize. So, Ada said yes. On September 9th, 1921, the five left, sailing north. There's an incredible photo of the team. If you Google the expedition, you will absolutely find it. They're all bundled up in coats, looking very serious. They also have a little cat with them, the expedition kitten, Victoria, presented to the men and named after the crew of the ship that brought them to Nome. Victoria, or Vic, is in Milton Gall's arms, a grumpy-looking little tabby. Ada is the most stoic of them all, sitting in the middle, calm and focused. The next day, the expedition landed briefly in Russia, and while they didn't tell the Russians their mission, they did tell them they were headed towards Wrangell Island. The Russians pretty much laughed in their faces, saying it was physically impossible to go on shore and far too dangerous. Five days later, the group touched down on Wrangell Island and did go to shore. The first order of business was raising the Canadian flag for King George, the British Empire, and the Dominion of Canada, covering lots of bases. Ada was not impressed by the land before them and realized that, unlike what the group had promised, she was the only Inuit and only woman that would be on the expedition. Quote, When we got to Wrangell Island, the land looked very large to me, but they said that it was only a small island, she said in a statement published by Wilhelmer Stephenson's book, Adventure of Wrangell Island. I thought at first I would turn back, but I decided it wouldn't be fair to the boys. Soon, the American ship that had taken them there returned to Nome, leaving the five, plus Vic the Cat and some sled dogs, to the will of the treacherous island. In the days ahead, the team began to unpack, adjust, and settle in on Wrangell Island. The Arctic winter was coming, and nobody had any real experience in keeping alive, much less thriving in such extreme climates. But Ada enjoyed herself at first. She had a crush. Alan Crawford, arguably the youngest and perhaps the cutest of the bunch, was her focus. Quote, Oh, your beautiful green eyes. But her infatuation did not last long. Ada became homesick and anxious, and was treated poorly by the men in turn. Meanwhile, word was spreading about the expedition in London, Washington, and Ottawa, and nobody would touch it, much less support it. But back on Wrangell Island, the first winter had come and gone. They navigated polar bear attacks, dwindling food supplies, and brutal temperatures as low as 166 degrees Fahrenheit. Ada worked hard at sewing sealskin parkas, and the group looked forward to a relief ship that would bring Stephenson, more colonists, and supplies. But, again, no one was very into this expedition, so Stephenson could not find the money to finance a relief ship, and definitely not on the timeline he promised the five explorers. After much back and forth, he eventually received a pity $3,000, equivalent to about $50,000 today, from his friend, famed aviator Orville Wright, and another $3,000 from the Canadian government— who was finally like, okay, we'll give you money. Very Canadian of them. The team on Wrangell Island became more and more desperate for help, and the ship Stephenson finally hired made it all the way to the Russian Arctic, but had to turn around due to the treacherous ice around the island. 
That did not deter Stephenson, who told media, the government, and even the parents of the Wrangell team that the expedition would have no problem surviving a second winter. But the reality on the island was grim. There was not enough food for them to survive there, so the five began plans for an escape to Siberia. When debilitatingly cold Siberia is more attractive than the place that you're at, you are in trouble. The plan the group had was to stay put in autumn and wait for the sea ice to harden. Thereby, they would walk across the ice and escape to Siberia. Alan Crawford and Lauren Knight decided that they alone would take the journey. Knowing there was considerable risk, the 20-year-old Crawford prepared a will, creating a trust that gave an annual award at UTS, the private school he had attended that is attached to the University of Toronto. On January 7, 1923, Alan and Lauren, plus five dogs, set out. But after 13 days, they gave up and came back to camp. After a year of malnutrition, nobody was in a state to travel. After his attempt, Lauren became so weak he could no longer write. So Ada began keeping a journal herself, carefully recording the events of their days. Quote, I'm going to the other side of the harbor mouth to do some duck hunting, she wrote in one entry. I thank God for living, read another. Soon, Alan Crawford decided to try again. He would make a second attempt to cross to Siberia with two other men, Fred Moore and Milton Gall, leaving Knight in the care of Ada. As the temperature fell to negative 132 degrees, Ada prepared what food she could for the men to take on the second sledding mission. Remaining at camp was the incapacitated Lorne, the budding survivalist Ada, and Vic, the faithful tabby cat. Let's take a break. Hi. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, how are you? Hello. How are you doing? You good? You good? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, good, okay. Good. Sure. Wow. All right. Cool. Bragging. All right. <laughs> wow. I mean... Go! For, I say brag. I yeah. say go for it. This is I your say, time. Yeah, this is your time. Yeah, it's your time to shine, baby. Yeah, and shine you will. Yeah, on Ghost Town Podcast. Yeah, we're here we to tell lift. everybody's like, oh, we're here to lift people up. I, I don't have my my day in the sun. Uh, mm. I I did on Ghost Town Podcast on a Wednesday. Mm. Mm. They're gonna be like, oh, yeah. Do you have the money for rent, or you're just gonna keep talking about this? <laughs> I don't know. Answer that. Yeah. Answer them. We'll wait. We want to say hello to anyone who's listening, supporting the show, spreading the good word. Mm-hmm. The good word of Ghost Town. Thank you. I walked by, I was leaving a stand-up thing, and I saw like a mattress store, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh. And I was like, I feel like all mattress stores are always closed. Like, they're closed. Yeah, they're always And I about- looked in, and it was like a revi- like a church revival type thing. Oh. And I looked in, and I was kind of, kind of got 
sucked in for one second despite my adversity to religion no but, this is not real are but you no. serious yeah but i mean it's just so like you look in and just like everyone's having such they're having their like kind of experience it wasn't like we weren't speaking yeah. in tongues there's music and stuff like that yeah. and they, you they, saw a party i saw i saw a party i saw people having a good time and like uh. music and uh they got me for like one second but then oh. i just looked at my phone and snapped me out of it yeah that's good you went back to instagram and you're like Ugh. yeah okay yeah, okay God. Uh. Ooh, back to my miserable stand-up yeah. show, something fun and beautiful, and then back to my phone. Uh, yeah, and I was mm. like, who can I compare myself to? Mm. Good, good, good. Well, You know who I can't compare myself to? Who? Our government. <laughs> good luck. I've tried to do it. Failed Mm-mm. every time. Mm-mm. How dare you? Sauntering in the mayors, wearing their finest casual leisure. Mm. Yeah, they just like kick back. Casual leisure. Just rocking a crushed... <laughs> Velvet sweatsuit because they it's crushed. Yeah. Velvet. It's like crushed velvet, like beyond crushed. It's so organ soft. Whoa. Wow. Catchozel. Hello. Sauntering in. Just wearing the most high end fleece. <laughs> I have all these items you're mentioning. Not like this, you know. <laughs> Not like this, you know. You got some old navy. Okay, junk. all right, all right. This is the real. <laughs> these won't catch fire uh-huh. the second it's we're near flame and just melt directly into my skin. No, Fuse not at with all. My skin. Okay, okay. Charlie Gilbert. Hello. And then wearing, you think it's out of style? Brought back to style. Mm. A snuggie. <laughs> Incredible. Good on you. Great. And it is embroidered as if someone's <laughs> going to say, hey, that's my Snuggie. It was a gift. It was embroidered with an A.M. That'd be Ashley Matson. Hello. And just cruising at an altitude of whatever they want, maybe at some art museum or an opening or in a one private jet or another. <laughs> I think this person might just straight up live in a jet that's yeah. made of clouds can we crash with you i just don't and i don't want to know <laughs> like i don't want to know like i don't want to know what goes on behind the curtain Mm-mm. i hope it's crime <laughs> i hope it's illegal i really do it's not but i hope it is <laughs> and is just sitting on maybe just soft human beings that because mm. they can <laughs> like human furniture well, i do it that's great i'll do it uh, sign me up you gotta Use local workers. Our governor, Avian Noble. So want no ads, no chit chat, just the good stuff. Bonus episodes. You don't want to hear whatever just happened just mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I literally just my brain just shuts off and stuff comes out of my mouth and yeah. then But Sorry. it doesn't it doesn't turn back on, so no, it doesn't matter. No, my brain hasn't been on in years, I would say. Head on over. You can get seven day free trial. You can sign up, say bye bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash ghost town pod, or you can support us. Yeah, you've got options. Could do do that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe we can get a new, like when Rebecca gives me some, some water, maybe we can get a new glass. Of, oh, like, you don't like, like that glass? It's a good, it's a good glass. And you just want like a better one. I don't know, a different one. You want to shake like it up. A, you want to, I'm picturing like a love is blind, like goblet, like a golden goblet, yeah. you know, maybe something like so that. I feel like I'm always chosen. Yeah, you're a king. So, I complained about my real problems. Mm-hmm. Do you want to head back to these other, I guess, to problems? To some actual 
big sounding problems that yeah. change their life forever. Let's not go back to your post stand up show woes. Let's do and, it. And and cup of water woes. And cup of water. You're correct. Let's get back to early February 1923. Stephenson is in New York announcing his retirement from exploration at cocktail parties and press junkets. In Moscow, the Kremlin was making an international complaint that Stephenson's expedition was trespassing on Soviet soil. On Wrangel Island, Ada was taking care of her dying teammate. Unable to get out of bed, Lauren could not think straight, much less trap, hunt, or protect them. He became increasingly abusive to Ada. Though she was terrified of guns, she willed herself to learn how to use a rifle, and would walk miles every day in search of birds, fox, and seals to keep them both alive. Ada carried a snow knife and built a lookout platform above their shelter, as she often had to fend off polar bears from attacking them and stealing food from their camp. She also made a sealskin boat to use in the water. But no matter what, Lorne would berate her, throwing books at her and telling her her husband was right to leave her. But no matter how hard she worked, Lorne grew increasingly impatient with Ada as his symptoms worsened. But she continued to care for him, reading from his Bible while Vic curled up next to him, heating sand every day to place on his feet, rotating sacks of oatmeal to prevent bed sores, emptying his bedpan and keeping the fire going, even as she herself was suffering from scurvy. Soon, Lorne started to bleed from his skin and nose. His teeth loosened, he began full body bruising, and completely lost his appetite. In her diary, Ada wrote of Lorne, quote, He never stopped to think how much it's hard for women to take four man's place, to woodwork and to hunt for something to eat for him, and to do waiting to his bed and take his shit, shiad, S-H-I-A-D, out for him. I think she means shit. I'm not sure. It sounds disgusting. Either way. But on June 22nd, 1923, that's six months after the other three men left to go to Siberia, Lorne died and Ada was left alone on Wrangell Island. After building a barricade of boxes around his bed to protect his body from wild animals, Ada and Vic moved into the storage tent. Although it had been nearly two years since she had arrived on the island, Ada never lost hope that she would return to her son. Quote, I don't think I could have pulled through if it hadn't been for thoughts of my little boy at home. She later told the Los Angeles Times, I had to live for him. In her journal at the time, she wrote, I must stay alive. I will live. On the night of August 19th, Ada had a dream. It was of a ship come to rescue her. But when she woke up, she found a thick fog had descended onto the island. Though Stephenson had retired from exploring at that point, a nagging guilt nodded him about the Wrangell Island expedition. Eventually, on his own time, he scraped together enough money, and though dragging his feet, sent a captain named Harold Noyce out to the island. When Ada heard noises outside, she couldn't quite see. Thinking a herd of walruses had come to her camp, she didn't get up eagerly. But soon she realized that what she heard wasn't walruses at all, but a ship's engine. She ran to her lookout tower, then to the beach, where she saw Harold Noyce wading ashore, a rescue ship behind him. Noyce was confused as to where everyone else was— but the grim reality soon dawned on them. Ada finally realized that Gall, Morer, and Crawford were gone, and their departure was the last time the three would ever be seen again. Some theorize that they may have gone through the ice into the Arctic Sea, they may have been frozen to death, or they may have been eaten by polar bears, but no trace of them has ever been found, which left Ada as the sole survivor of Stephenson's grand expedition. Well, and Vic, who, believe me, I did the research to see what happened to Vic the cat because I was worried— but according to Atlas Obscura, Vic the cat survived. Noyce left a new party of 13 people and supplies on the island and took Ada back to Nome. There she had to undergo a humiliating and incredibly disrespectful cross-examination by the authorities, who accused her of killing Knight, or at least not doing what she could do to prevent his death. 
Though Noe seemed like a nice guy at first, he literally stole Ada's diary of her time on Wrangell and also took off with Knight's diary. He and Stephenson spent much of the next few years fighting over the publication rights to the Wrangell Island expedition story, which made sense. Stephenson was in a lot of debt, so much so that he offered to sell Wrangell Island, first to Canada for $30,000, then, after they ignored the offer, to the United States for $27,000. Of course, the island still belonged to Russia, so this was insane. But even still, two idiot brothers took the bait. Their names were Carl and Ralph Lohman, who purchased the title to Wrangell in return for an agreement to pick up the new colonists Noyce had left on the island. The Lomans attempted to do this and failed. Then the Soviet warship Red October decided enough was enough, smashed through the ice, arrested the North American colonists, tore down the Canadian flag, and took the colonist criminals first to Siberia and then to China. The last American died in China, and the Inuit were eventually shipped home by the Red Cross. As leader of the expedition, Alan Crawford's legacy lives on. To this day, the Alan Crawford Prize in Chemistry and Physics is still awarded at UTS, the private school he had attended that is attached to the University of Toronto. Stephenson, slowly but surely, got back into the good graces of Canada and exploring circles, and even wrote a book about the Wrangell Expedition called The Adventure of Wrangell Island. We've pulled some quotes from it earlier, and he promised Ada a cut of his profits. It was not a big seller, and of course, he never paid her. He died in 1962. In actuality, Ada never received a dime for her survival story, rarely gave interviews, and generally hated all media. But there was a happy ending for Ada Blackjack. She was acclaimed as the, quote, female Robinson Crusoe, and by the Toronto Mail and Empire, called the first Eskimo heroine in history. She got her son back, paid for his medical treatment, and lived the rest of her life peacefully in the Pacific Northwest and Alaska albeit not very wealthy. Ada eventually got remarried and had another child named Billy. Ada Blackjack died, aged 85, in Palmer, Alaska, and was buried next to her son Bennett, who had died 10 years earlier of complications of his tuberculosis. But for years before her eventual passing, Ada's second son Billy had campaigned for formal recognition by the state of Alaska of his mother's bravery in the Arctic, determined that her name not be forgotten. It was not until a month after her death that the Alaska State Legislature formally honored Ada as a, quote, true and courageous hero, which, of course, she was. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.